for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. This Sunday, we are continuing our sermon series on spirituality and asking about our spiritual lives and the spiritual dimension of being human and how we can sort of enliven and grow in our spiritual lives. And last week, we got this sort of central word that uh, our, one of our primary tasks, at least, knowing that God is always connected to us, that God never severs that connection, is that we have to be attuned. We have to tune into uh, God every day, despite all the distractions in our lives and in our world. Our job is to find ways to tune ourselves to God so that that spiritual connection may fill and feed us and help us to grow. Well, today in our passage from Galatians, we are looking at the idea of freedom, spiritual freedom, and what it means to be free in Christ. Now, you know, Paul's letter, as he writes to these churches in Galatia, these are, well, Galatia's in today, modern Turkey, the country of Turkey, and these are churches that were Gentile churches, and suddenly they're thinking, you know what? Uh, if we're going to be good spiritual followers of Jesus, we should take on the Jewish law. So they're talking about being circumcised and, you know, following the dietary restrictions. And Paul's going to come in and go, hold on, guys. Let me tell you about freedom. And if, if you read this letter to the Galatians, you'll find that essentially the whole thing is about freedom. But what's really important if you're going to look at this letter is to understand the things that freedom is not. There are many things that we hold up as freedom. There are many things the Galatians were holding up as being free. And yet, if we truly look at the spiritual dimensions, we're going to find that isn't freedom at all. So the first thing that freedom isn't, according to Paul, is what we think of in this country today as our freedoms, our personal freedoms, our individual rights. Now, I'm all for them. Trust me, I love uh, the rights we have in this country and the freedoms that we enjoy. But remember that those founding fathers put this system together 250-ish years ago. Is my math right? And... <laughs> The, the teachings of Jesus and Paul are 2,000 years ago. In other words, Jesus and Paul didn't know anything about our individual freedoms as Americans. And the problem is that we turn our freedom and our rights into this idea of it's all about me, right? You hear people who do this, who say, 
you know, it means I can do what I want, I can go where I want to go, I can say what I want to say, and I don't have to think about anybody else. But of course, even the founding fathers, they never meant for it to be me, myself, and I without thinking about the common good. They were trying to find a way to, to bring diverse people together and to keep them together and avoid uh, basically the tyranny of the minority. They wanted everybody to be able to have their participatory piece in our democracy. But it was never apart from the good of the whole. And in fact, what we have done in society today is we've placed the self at the center. It's about me and what I want and my desires and my opinions and my, 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 me, my, 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 my. And in fact, it's, it's pointing toward what is the fundamental human problem, and that is that we set up ourself, each of us, as the master of our universe, as the center of everything, instead of the living God. That is the basic human problem, that myself becomes everything. I mean, think of it this way. So, uh, I like to imagine that we are tethered to God, right? A rope or, or maybe an umbilical cord. Uh, right? Because we're receiving from God nutrition, spiritual nutrition. And so we've got this cord, but whenever we place ourselves at the center, everything we do is going to turn inward on ourselves. And as we turn, think about that connection. What is it doing? It's wrapping up around me, and pretty soon I'm going to be immobilized by my own stuff. I'm not actually free at all. It's an illusion of freedom, but all I'm doing is adding to the self, and I'm making myself less free because I have made myself the center of the universe. You see what I'm saying? So we end up being restricted by our own idea that, that we are free floating beings and can do whatever we want, when in fact we're always related to others. But there's another kind of uh, freedom that we need to think about and what we should not be doing, and that is the very issue that Paul addresses, and that is these people trying to revert to the Jewish law. Now, the Jewish law was good in and of itself, given by God to help them draw closer to God. But Jesus said, it's the spirit, not the letter of the law, that matters. It's what, it's what it's intended for, not the rigid following of it. The first thing is this. Look what happens if you think about the Pharisees. They become so consumed with following all these laws that their whole life is, can I flip this switch now? Can I eat this thing? Can I do this or not? And what do you think happens? You get turned inward on yourself. It's all about my holiness. It's all about whether I'm doing what I need to be doing. And guess who gets neglected? God and others. It's all, once again, about the self. Modern-day Christians have a tendency to do this. They will say, okay, I believe in Christ. Now here's a whole set of rules you have to follow. Here is the morality that if you violate this, well, we don't think you're a Christian. And the problem is that they'll put those rules ahead of the love and the compassion and the mercy of Jesus. Those 
rules, those moral rights and wrongs, are so important when we're talking about our children, right? We need to nurture them with a sense of what's right and wrong. But you know what? At a certain age, you begin to realize that right and wrong is never so clear and perfectly identifiable as we think. And that oftentimes loving someone is more important than saying, oh, you're a sinner. And so the law is supposed to bring us closer to God. We end up making it our God. We make the rules and morality our God. And all the while, there's God in the spirit saying, hey, woohoo, woohoo, there's more to this thing than you're allowing for. So the law is not going to set us free. It's just going to be another thing that binds us. Then there's a third thing that freedom is not, and it's not free will. Now, I want you to think about free will for a moment, because free will isn't really that free at all. What do I mean? Our free will is caught in the, in the grip of our sinful nature, of our fallen nature. So when we recognize we have this thing called free will, it, it basically has two options. It can turn away from God or it can turn to God. That's really all that our free will has available to it. We can turn toward sin. We can turn toward God. That's our free will. But you know what? We won't even accept that our free will leads us to do stuff. Um, we want to find people to blame. Remember the Garden of Eden? Oh, we eat from this tree, and the man says, the woman made me do it. And the woman says, the serpent made me do it. And the serpent smiles and says, well, God, you made me. Instead of saying, I chose by my own free will. Uh, some of you may remember, some of you are way too young, but I think it was in the 70s or so that the comedian uh, the Flip Wilson had this character, Geraldine, the preacher's wife. And every time, he, I see heads nodding, every time Gerald, Geraldine would do something she shouldn't do, and, and her husband says, why did you do that? And she'd say, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make her do it. She did it out of her own choice to turn from God and to do what she wanted. Again, you know what? That devil... I believe in the power of evil in the world, but most of the time when we make bad choices, it's not the devil, it's me. And my free will making that choice because my human nature is corrupt. So, you see, free will doesn't really make us free. The law won't make us free. Our rights in this country, as much as we value them, won't make us spiritually free. The only thing that can begin to make us free is to truly submit or surrender our lives to God. Now, I don't think enough Christians actually learn this. We learn all these other things, but the basic idea of the Christian faith is that there is this self who is so self-concerned that they can't love God, they can't love neighbor, 
they're turned in upon themselves. And if they would just give over their free will, their idea of freedom, all the things like the law that they try and use, if they would give themselves wholly to God, God would take that cord that has bound them up and would unravel it so that they can be truly free from what the self is constantly doing to us. God is love, and God wants to set us free to love others and to love God. You know, many Christians believe that all you have to do is confess Jesus Christ, and basically you've arrived. But I don't know about you. I can't say that as much as I try to follow Jesus, that every part of my life has been submitted to God. That there aren't things that I still need to give over to God. I mean, it's like every day we have to get up and we have to say, Lord, I surrender myself to you. It's Jesus who's in the garden and he says, not my will. If you won't take this cup from me, your will be done. It's John the baptizer who says, I must become less so that you might become more in me and through me, Lord Jesus. You know, it's Paul who's saying, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's about giving over that me and that sense of I can do this, fix this, know this, be this, and say, Lord, who have you made me to be? I give myself to you freely every single day. John Wesley was a guy who actually understood this. Uh, he is the one who has this covenant prayer, and it was normally part of the New Year's service where the people of God, the Methodists, would renew their relationship with the living God uh, on every new year. And part of it was this essentially prayer of surrender to God this willingness to give my life over again and again and again to God so that I might grow in God's love and grace and mercy. Uh, I know Adam Hamilton, who all of you would be at least familiar with, he prays this every day. He hasn't become this mega pastor with all this influence just because he wants to be. It's because he really tries to submit his life to Jesus Christ every day. So I'm going to invite all of you to take this prayer, and at least for the week to come, to put it in a place where you'll pray it once a day. Because all of our prayer life should begin with, I, I give myself to you wholly. And then we can pray for ourselves and others. I want to finish today by inviting us to pursue our freedom in Christ by sharing together in this prayer of giving ourselves over to God. And so uh, if you have it, I think maybe we've got it uh, at least to show at home. 
It says, and join me, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. We can be free truly free in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as this next song plays, anyone who would like to come to the altar and just kneel and offer your life again to the living God, you are welcome to come.